0: Um, that's kind of the setting and the backdrop of why I'm I'm, I'm speaking with you today. Um, there have been a lot of changes and transitions in in our life recently, and I'm the kind of guy that really wants to have control. I want to have everything lined up and set out, and you know, just just have everything perfectly lined up. And sometimes that's so. So I can get the credit, I think, instead of, you know, God getting all the credit and the glory, and I think that's a bad thing. And so he's been putting me into a time where I don't have control of everything. <laughs> I, I control of very little, in fact. Um, you know, I'm transitioning from one practice to another at work. Um, uh, we are moving from McLeansville into Greensboro, so trying to sell our house and you know, getting everything ready for the new house. and um, And those, honestly, are somewhat they're big things but they're somewhat minor things um for for what's kind of been weighing on me um one one big thing that kind of weighs on us at times is you know we have two beautiful um foster children ava and garrett and we love them you know a a great deal um we've had them for almost a year now and um a few weeks ago we got some news that kind of you know just kind of shook me and like i thought i had i thought i saw the path before us and then this news kind of just shook me um and I remember getting the news and sitting in the kitchen, and I just you know I was worried about their safety in the long run and um where they would end up and all those things and um so I started crying, <laughs> you know, I started just crying and like being upset, and like, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen to them um you know what's their future look like, what does our future look like with them, and all these things and um Jennifer came up to me and she was like. And she had gotten the news before, so maybe she had more processing time. But I wish, I I, I wish I would have been in that moment, been able to be the strong one. But but I just wasn't. She but she came up to me and she said, "You know, God is in control. God can line things up for these children and 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 make a way for them to be safe and secure, no matter what. God can make a way for them to be saved." And so that was really really um, powerful to me. And I didn't, even though I heard it and I knew I needed to believe it, I didn't believe it yet. And Um, so what God did was he just used his word to speak to me. And so he took me to judges six and judges seven, um, the story of Gideon. And so that's what I want to share with you guys today. But I just want to start out with, you know, with, um, just with prayer. So dear only father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing in my life. Lord, just the power of your, of your goodness and, and your, just the consistency and your faithfulness, Lord, you are awesome. And I just ask that you would speak, um, through me. Uh, Lord, that I would just be a mouthpiece for you, and Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would get all the glory from this. Lord, thank you for making my cup empty um, and making me be out of control, not out of control, taking me out of a position of control, Lord, so that everything that happens and everything that goes from here, Lord, that that I would know that all the glory goes to you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, in Judges 6 and 7, just a little bit backdrop here. So, you know, Moses um, led the Israelites out of Egypt, but he died before um, getting into the promised land. The promised land was in view. And then Joshua took over, and he led God's people into the promised land. But at the time of his death, not all of the areas that were supposed to be conquered, not all of the promised land had yet been conquered. And then, so at the time of Joshua's death, in Joshua twenty-four twenty-three, Joshua says, "'Throw away the foreign gods that are among you, and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel.'" And then, um, and what he's saying is push. And what God has been calling him to do is to push out and you know, completely eradicate all the people that are in their lands, because he, God knows that these foreign gods, they're they're gonna they're gonna be seeds of of evil in their lives, and they're gonna end up worshiping these foreign gods instead of worshiping um, the Lord their God. Um, so in Judges one, it details the tribes conquering new lands. Um, But in most cases, the tribes of Israel didn't conquer them completely. They didn't drive them out completely. It would say, and they let so-and-so remain, and they let so-and-so remain, and they let so-and-so remain despite the lands that they had gone in and conquered. Um, But that's not what they were called to do. God had told them to drive them out completely. And in Judges 2.12, it says, "...they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt." They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. That's exactly what God didn't want them to do, and that's exactly what he had warned them not to do. Um, And thus we kind of enter the the cycle of the judges, and kind of the same cycle we see in our own lives in reference to sin. Um, You know, we will cry out to God for help. He'll help us in a situation. We'll we'll begin to forget again. And, um, you know, there are consequences when we forget, when we turn from him, and then negative things start to happen. We cry out to him again, and he saves us again. And it happens over and over and over again. And, and so that's exactly where we end up in Gideon, uh, um, with the story of Gideon in Judges 6. So Judges six one, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Now the story of Gideon comes right on the heels of the sto- the story of Deborah, um, who was another judge who had been raised up. And the Israelites, it says at the end of Judges five, had forty years of peace. So they had forty years of peace, and then and then they they slip into these old ways, and they're getting um, they're being a you know, viciously oppressed. I mean, I can't imagine having to hide in caves and, you know, all of the livestock being taken, all the crops being taken. I just can't imagine being in that situation. That's you know, a horrific situation to be in. But this came on the heels of just really incredible times for them, 40 years of peace. And my concern here is about complacency, You know, that even in good times, it can create this complacency in us and we can stop pressing into God and doing what he's called us to do. He had called them during those, you know, 40 years of peace to drive out um, the enemy and they didn't drive out the enemy. You know, in my own heart what that what happens with me is I don't drive out the sin that's in my life sometimes. I let it sit there and, and, and linger and I don't attack it. I'm not vicious against it. I don't I don't realize that it's you know, that it really is the enemy. Or I shouldn't say I don't do it. I don't go to God to have him attack it and, and, and drive that out of me. Um you know, I think a lot of us are in good times of our lives, whether that's our family growing, it's our kids or our grandkids. Maybe we're advancing in our careers. Um, and maybe we're in school and, and getting to the point where we want to go. But these are, good, these are good times. But during these good times, we let the seeds of sin remain, like pride or gossip or lust or whatever the sin may be, and it can, just, it can tear us down. You know, the devil um, wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and the sin in our lives does that to us. And what this does is it challenges me to press into God even in the good times, to not be complacent. Um, The second thing I would say is, you know, it kind of parallels. There was another verse in Judges 2.10, and this was after Joshua. And it said, after, you know, Joshua had died, after that whole generation um, had been gathered to their ancestors, so the, the generation of Joshua after they had passed away, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And so for me, it concerns me that maybe we're not sowing in, what we need to be doing is sowing into young people, sowing into others and telling other people about what God has done and what he's doing in our lives. Because if we don't do that, people will begin to forget and not recognize the goodness of God. We have to pour into the next generation. You know, obviously that means we need to be pouring into our children. But what about like Pastor Stephen has called us to do to, you know, have You know, two or three people that I think it was two people that were mentoring, that were pouring into on a regular basis. Where are you at with that? Where am I at with that? You know, you're welcome to ask me that question. It's something I'm I'm working on and asking God. God, who would you have me mentor? Who would you have me pour into? But there's other things, you know, but besides mentoring, He may there may be ministries that He wants you to pour into. Maybe it's a campus ministry. you know, maybe it's a high school ministry like Young Life, or um, maybe it's just relationships you have at work. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what it is for you, but I just ask you to seek God and see who He would have you pour into. Um, I think that's it's incredibly important that we don't forget the goodness of God and we pour into that next generation. The last thing I would say, from what we've read so far, is that you know Israel was harshly oppressed for seven years. It took them years to turn to their source of help, the Lord. Um, and you know, Pastor Stephen has been talking to us about the power of prayer recently, and we need to make prayer the first thing that we do instead of the last thing that we do. And that's what ended up in this situation. I mean, they're just completely oppressed up against literally up against the rocks and caves, and they finally cry out to God. We need to cry out from the beginning, not from the end. We need to make prayer the first thing we turn to and not the last. And that doesn't mean God's not gonna call us to act. That doesn't that doesn't always mean to you know, prayer is important, but when we pray, God will lead us to do things, and we have to act on what he's called us to do. Um, you know, God is about to move mightily through Gideon, but the starting point was prayer. But then there was action that came after that. Going back to the story I kind of shared with you initially, um, with what's happening in our lives, you know, Jennifer and I, when she, when she challenged me, they said, God can do this, um, we are like, we need to go to God in prayer. So we began to just cry out to God on a nightly basis together and say, God, we just want, you know, the, the things we pray for them was for their salvation first and foremost, that they would know God all the days of their lives. And that as they were saved, that his protection would, would just cover them. Um, and that he would watch over them and he would be over control. And no matter what happened, you know, in the courts or, you know, or any of that, no matter what happened, that he's in control. So even when something happened, it's not necessarily the way we saw it happening. We can trust him and say, well, God, God's in control. God is going to, God is, God is going to make this happen. Not us, not, you know, not something we've done. God will get the glory here. And our situation did not change. We were in the exact same situation, but yet our heart began to change. And I began to get just this peace, you know, that, that peace that transcends all the understanding that God gives to us. So God doesn't need our situation to change for our attitude to change. And he will change our, he can change our situation later. When we begin to pray, it may be that, that he's plopped in time, you know, 15 years from now, or five years from now, or one year from now, or three months from now, exactly what he's going to do. And he's hes already got that in, in mind. He's already lining things up for us. And we just don't see it yet. But then, but then we just need to walk in faith and believe as we're praying that God, he has our best interests in mind, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he's powerful, that he can do all things, that he really is truly in control as he is. So I'm going to jump back into Gideon 6 verse 7. Um, So when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So his answer to them when he cried out is very clear. (laughs) Remember who I am remember that i am the lord remember what i have done in your life and that what what that does is that strengthens our faith and allows us to you know believe in him and his strength and his power and you may need to go look at verses in the bible to see you know, to be encouraged. Or maybe you need to journal down all the things that he's done in your life, you know, the situations he's changed, his faithfulness in your life. You know, I, I remember, you know, just as we went, as we gathered up here in a circle, and I just saw, man, think about the power and the faithfulness of God to save every single one of us. Every single one of us is dipping in the cup and, you know, drinking of the blood of Christ and, and, and um, enjoying the salvation that, that he's given us, that our sins being clean. That's a miracle, like that, I mean, that is so powerful. So just think about the people in your family that have been saved, or the fact that you've been saved. Maybe, maybe you're the only one saved in your family, but maybe God is going to use you to save others in your family. Um, so just remember His what He's done already to strengthen your faith and help you move forward. Um, and then, you know, the second thing that he, that that He's saying here is turn to me, you know, repent from your sins, come before me. We've already talked about that. How do we tear down those things in our lives that are there that, that, um, how do we let, how do we open ourselves up to God to allow him to tear down the things in our lives that need to be torn down? Um, and so uh, there's an example of this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but in Judges 6, 25 through 27, Gideon goes and he tears down um, his father's altar to Baal in the, in the Asherah pole. He tears them down, he builds an altar to God. Um, and that's his way of, you know, that's one, that's one way that he repented is that he got rid of all the old idols and, and those things and he built his altar before God. And the other thing that I would say is, when, as I was thinking about worshiping, you know, the gods of the Amorites or, or things like that, it made me think about, fearing other gods. And I I guess what I'm, the thing that the guy kind of spoke to me is don't fear other gods because when you, or, or don't fear the situations in your life, because you do that, you lift those things up, you elevate them. And it's a form of worship. Like, man, that thing is so powerful. There's no way, there's no way I can stop doing that sin, or there's no way that I can get through this situation, or there's no way this, you know, financial provision can be made. You're elevating that instead of elevating God. So don't worry is almost a form of of worship and and I'm saying that and like I am a person that worries a lot so um what God is saying to me is stop stop worrying turn to me trust me cry out to me all right so from I'm going to be now in verse 11 um 6:11 it says the angel of the lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, that belonged to Joash, the Abbey is right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, God came to Gideon in a very lowly position. You now, Gideon is in the, the bottom of a wine press um, threshing wheat, and wheat is supposed to be threshed out in open spaces, but he had been basically humiliated and pushed down into this small, humble area because of the Midianites, because of their oppression. So, God comes to him in a very weak state already. Um... And then it says in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So Gideon responds, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. But remember from what the prophet said, that God did not abandon Israel. Israel had abandoned God. You know, God cares deeply about his people. He cares deeply about you. He has not abandoned you. He is right there for you. Just remember that. So the Lord turned to him and said, his answer for all these these situations, he doesn't even go directly into each individual thing. He just says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon says again, pardon me, my Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. But God uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the weak so that he can get glory. You know, if your cup is empty, as I'm sure Gideon felt like his cup was empty, he felt like he had nothing to offer. He's in this lowly place, he's from the weakest tribe. But God uses an empty cup, and he fills it to the top and overfills it. If that cup was, let's say that cup was already 95% full and, and God put in 5%, that cup could very well say, look what I've done. Look at all, the, all that I've achieved. Um, and like I said, that's sometimes what I try to do in my own life. But no, I need to re- recognize how empty I am and how everything, I need to rely on God desperately because, so he can get all the glory. Let me be an empty cup and let him be the one that fills it and, and um, brings glory to his name. So the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So the answer to his question is, I will be with you. That's how the weak can shame the strong. That's how God can get glory, because he will be with us. So I'm going to skip to Judges 7, and I'm just kind of summarize what happened over the, the, the next few verses and the rest of Judges 6. So God is kind enough in three different situations to um, tell Gideon that he really is God, and that... Um, he will fulfill his word. Um, Gideon, in and, and three separate occasions, asked for basically a sign from God. And what I think is beautiful about this is God met Gideon right where he was. He gives him exactly the encouragement that he needs. And in fact, Gideon will need more encouragement, which we will read about. Um, but, and I believe God will meet you where you are. There may be things that he puts in your life to just say, keep going. Look, look, I'm working. Um, trust me. So moving into Judges uh, Judges 7. Early in the morning, Jerobal, that is Gideon, and he got the name Jerobal um from tearing down um from tearing down um his the altar to Baal of his father, and the people basically came and they were like, Hey, why did he do this? And his father said, Hey, if Baal is really if Baal is really God, he can he can fight for himself. So the name Jerobal like basically like let Baal contend with him, which Baal didn't because Baal wasn't real. Um mm-hmm. And all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained." Now Israel was already outmatched. There were probably 135,000 Midianites to their 32,000 men. So that's a ratio of 4.2 Midianites to each Israelite. So imagine each one man has to be able to defeat four other men. And God said, No, 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 no. Those those odds, they're too they're too much in your favor. Maybe you can you could boast in that. But in the flesh, these guys that were there, even the 32,000, they really had reason to be afraid. Um, I mean, the, the odds were against them. So surround yourself with people who are, tr- are going to trust in God's promises, who are not going to be a- afraid to go into battle um, and trust the, the word of the Lord. In verse 4, it says, But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. Excuse me. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And what I, some of the things I've read in commentary that I read on this was that you know the men that got all the way down on their knees and went down to the water to to drink. Um, they took their eyes off. They took their eyes off the enemy and everything that was around them and their surroundings. Whereas the the men that went down and with cupped hands brought it up to their face, they could still look out and know where the enemy was. So it's also important to surround yourself with people who are prepared, who can watch out for you, um, and can know can know when when the enemy is moving and 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 help you with that and obviously push you back to God because God's the one that ultimately saves, but it's good to surround yourself with people that will remain watchful. So Judges 7, 7 says, the Lord said to Gideon with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now remember, there were 135,000 Midianites. The ratio is now going to go from 4.2 to 1 to 450 Midianites to 1 Israelite. So surely only God could give them the victory in this situation. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura and his servants went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locust. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as the man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. And I think this is beautiful. Like, you know, God has given him, him encouragement to keep doing what he's been called to do, and he just turns and he praises God. And I would encourage us to do the thing when they're the same. When we, we cry out to God or we ask him to do something in our lives and he answers that prayer, just cry out to him and thank him and say, God, you are so good, and just um, and, and be refreshed by that. And I had a, a kind of a s- small story like this the other day just trying to kind of teach my son this. Um, On Friday night, he just kind of suddenly started having, like, issues breathing in the middle of the night. Um, And he had croup. And if any of you have seen croup, I mean, croup sounds horrible. And, it, I mean, it sounds like they can't breathe. And, you know, kids end up hospitalized with it. Um, But um, so he sounded horrible. He's also probably has some asthma. So he was also wheezing very heavily on top of this, you know, when he's trying to breathe. It was... It sounded really bad. Jennifer was concerned. I was concerned even though I, you know, I'm, I'm a physician, but I still get concerned about my son. Um and you know, I, w- I didn't think he was bad enough to go to the hospital at the time, but I worried about laying down because I thought, man, what, you know, what if something happens in the middle of the night? And um so I just I just went in there and I just prayed prayed for him and he, you know, he was he was really angry. I don't have a voice. <laughs> he would say <laughs> um, he's like I can't breathe and I was like, you're breathing, you're talking to me, but, but he, was, he was terrified, and um, so I prayed for him, and, um, you know, the next morning, he really had, like, a drastic turnaround. Our croup gets better in the day, but I really do still believe that was God's hand helping him get through the night. I was having trouble sleeping. I was, te- you know, I was worried for him, but, you know, God made a way for him to feel better, and he said, he, he looked at me, and said, I can, I can breathe, Daddy. I, f- I feel better the next day, and I said, you know, son, come here. Let's, let's just praise God together and thank him for, for answering our prayers, and so he came and sat in my lap with a smile on his face and he's just like, and, he, and, I, and I prayed and then he prayed and said, thank you God for making me feel better. And I, I just think we need to, we need to, you know, thank God, not just forget. It's so easy to just say, oh great. He's, he's, he's feeling good today. Let's go. But take the time, write those things. I didn't write it down yet, but I need to go back and write it down. Um, and I need, we need to be journaling and just thinking and going back and referencing these things so we can point back to the goodness of God. So it says, he returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. From 300 men, 135,000 men just crying out in fear because of 300 men, because of the way that, you know, the the wisdom of setting up the attack the way that they did. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So basically the Midianite army defeated themselves. You know, these 300 men followed God and, and, and God, you know, crushed the 135,000 men. The rest of Judges um, 7 goes in and kind of explains um, The rest of that that story, but I just I'm I'm just honestly I'm going to end there. I've just got a couple points that I just want you guys to to take home, Um, and I'm going to have Craig pray for us. So the first point is, prayer should be the first and not the last solution. Israel cried out to God, and God made a way where there was no way. The second point is, don't worship your problems. Worship the mighty God we serve. Remind yourself of his goodness with stories like the story of Gideon and writing down his faithfulness in your own life. Point number three, remember the odds are always stacked in God's favor. One versus four, one versus 400, one versus a million. It doesn't matter. Our God is awesome. Thank you.
1: Can we all stand to our feet? Thank you, Stephen, for sharing your heart. I always... Coming with humility, humility is a gift that really, you know, you can see it in people's lives. So, Lord, we just come before you today, and we just thank you for this message, Lord, and we just pray that you would just continue to um, peel those things off our our lives that need to be separated, so that we can be more like you. Um, a couple of thoughts that came to me as he was speaking was um, number one is. Maybe there's some people in here that that um, when he was talking about different sin or whatever in your life, that that you need to um, really pray about that here in just a minute and just and just release those things to him of whatever they are. Maybe it's just attitudes. Maybe it's um, um, w- whatever it may be. You know that the Lord was speaking to you when he was talking about some of these things, and and uh, Lord, we just pray that that even for the the self-reliance or trying to do things and being in control, Lord God, we know that is not of you because you want control of our lives. And so we just ask that you would just help us, Lord God, to continue to surrender our lives to you all the time, Lord God. And I just pray that as we surrender to you, Lord Jesus, I pray that, that you would just continue to help us to find our hope, Help us to find our um, life. Help us to find those things in you that that can only come from you and that we can only look to you and be thankful that there's nothing that we could do to do it. There was nothing we could think, nothing that we could know abilities or talents that you've given us. It's, It's not of our own being or our own ways. And so we just pray that you would just help us to trust fully in what you're doing in our lives and to be thankful at all times in all seasons, Lord God, even when we're going through things, Lord God, because you are the, are, are the God that takes us out of those things and you take us from faith to faith. And so, Lord, we just come before you right now and we just pray that if there's anybody in here that, that there's any type of sin or anything that they need to um, deal with you with, Lord, I pray that they will take time, and uh, do that today or right now or find somebody to pray with them so that they can um, deal with that sin in their life, Lord God, so that we can be transparent, that we can come, be, come before you with clean hands and a clean heart so that we can be ministers of the gospel to you throughout this area and throughout the world. So I just cover this, this body of believers, Lord God, and pray that you would just give them um, a freshness and a newness for this week Lord God, I pray that you would just uh, give us opportunities to uh, be Christ-like in the marketplace, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, Lord God, and help us to put our eyes on you and to surrender our ways to your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. If you do need prayer, we'll have some people up here to pray for you if you need prayer. Otherwise, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.